Hi everyone and welcome to the Shop Store Podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number 34. My name is Robin Lewis from RobinLewisMakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. Hello. And John Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. Hello. We live stream the recording on YouTube every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or UTC plus 10. Or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud. I want to say hello to everyone in the chat. We'll get to your comments and questions towards the end of the show, but please feel free to chat amongst yourselves. The idea being that this is also a place for people to meet. Okay, so in terms of announcements, <laughs> the, <laughs> the biggest one uh, is that, we if, messed you, up. Is that uh, if you were on the chats while trying to get on the, on the live stream last week, you might have noticed that it was a bit of a dog show. Um, as, I, as I put on the Facebook post, after, you know, post show, there isn't too much we can do about it. Obviously, we need to yep. do something. So please keep letting us know. But yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a tricky one that. So we, we are trying some something new this week. <laughs> yeah. So what we've done is we've what we're going to do is um, we're actually all three of us are separately recording this episode on our own devices, which we'll then put together. So if you're watching this or if you're listening to this on iTunes. Hopefully, you will have noticed a bit of an improvement in the audio quality. Um, it should just be a bit better, but the, the, the secondary function is that it's um, foolproof. Um, we Maybe. should. <laughs> he says. <laughs> yeah. Famous last words. Uh, at least, at least it's, we're not at the, the mercy of Google on this one. So, yeah, so as I say, yeah. everyone in the chat tonight, please let us know if there are any problems. Cool. All right. Well, what have we been working on this week, Joey? Yeah. Well, so we've got two weeks to catch up on. So yeah. Um, so for me, um, while while I've been working, um, people who some people may know, uh, my wife is just about to have our second child. It's like any given second, <laughs> any given day, <laughs> something's going to happen, and. Um, uh, Potentially, she still has another another four days or something, or five days, because the hospital's doing whatever the hospitals do. But um, so it's getting a bit difficult to get uh, meetings and stuff teed up with clients and stuff like that because I'm kind of like, yes, I can I can meet you, but I might just not come. <laughs> so um, that's yeah been a bit interesting because I'm not sure if I should put a meeting off for a week or two weeks or like at what point am I still going to be waiting for the same thing to happen so um, anyway that's just part of life um, what have I done I released a video the other week start of the week with my birch plywood uh, kind of hall table thing mm -hmm. so um, that was interesting pretty basic build really uh, but I thought it was kind of cool because it was completely out of birch ply. So mm. I don't think I've done anything like with one material like that before. Um, so it was cool. Quick question on that build. Um, yep. I know you chose to use water-based uh, poly on the inside, oil on the outside. What was the reason for that? Because you normally just use water-based for everything. For plywood, yeah. Um, I really, I think I mentioned in our finishing series that I really like the, the wipe on poly now, mm. and it probably is the finishes I find are much better than the water based stuff. In this case, it was kind of, I didn't really have the time. Um, I would have probably done the whole lot with water based, 
but I was really running low. I was like on the dregs of the can and I thought, well, I've got uh, enough to do the inside. I can, I can get two good coats on the inside and the outside I've got half a can of Wipe-On Poly left. Um, that'll be enough to do kind of three, four coats on the outside and it, and it was. Yeah. so. Um, and actually really, really like the finish on that Wipe-On Poly with on the birch ply. I thought it was really silky smooth and added a bit of depth to it. I, it was hard to describe, but it just looked like a really high build finish. And you're so, not worried that you're going to have, now I guess you can argue this is going to be against a corner so you might not notice it, but you're going to have this yellowing outside and, and clear inside. Uh, or is that so negligent? Well, negligent? It really doesn't matter now because as soon as I walked in the door we, and we put it down, um, the client, like after about three minutes, she says, oh, um, so will it matter if we paint it white? And <laughs> so I said, no, Inside sure, or out. You, can, you can paint it any color you like now. <laughs> Just give it a sand back and throw some paint on. So, you know, whatever. Oh, man. <laughs> so, like sorry, that. is that the inside or the outside? Uh, the whole lot, I think she might want it white now. So, Jeez. Um, fair enough. Yeah, is what it is. So that that's fine. Um, ages ago, I talked about maybe I'm not sure if I did. I've got this client who's got this bunch of old Remu uh, floor joists. I think they are, and he wants me to make two kind of tall boys, like very classic kind of Victorian uh, style tool boys all completely out of timber so i'm going to pick up that timber tomorrow kind of just all happens very suddenly um so that'd be pretty interesting um but more importantly for me at least that i've actually started work on my desk which, ah. which took up took Pulled up most instagram yeah, took up most of our talk last week even though no one will ever hear what that was <laughs> it was the um, best episode we ever had as well <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but actually, um, I, I, I got a lot of insight from you guys last week about what, kind of which direction I should go in, and I've made some crucial decisions on the design. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm going to be starting a personal job to, for me, which will be very complicated, I think, and it's, it's like a French-style, kind of Louis XIV, 15th style um, writing desk, and it will be eventually, I, I think I'm still going to go for a black finish, probably stained with gild, uh, gold gilding. So, um, and I've just started, I glued the first block of wood up today for the one of the legs. So it's right. going to be a slow process. I can, I tell you what, I can see why that kind of furniture is not made because each of the four legs need a 130 by 130 solid block to cut to cut the cabriolet legs from so um 90% of it would be waste yeah 90% is waste so it's like crazy amount of wastage um and I don't have ideally you'd have a nice big hunk of rift sawn timber well there's no way I'm getting that so I'm just um I'm just gluing a bunch of wood together and because I'm staining it black um hoping that's going to hide a lot of the the grain misdirection Mm. Um, sorry I don't know if you mentioned this a bit earlier Aren't you doing the whole, uh, you, you're adding the, the decorative stuff on with, with plaster? Yeah, well, yeah. well originally, in the oldie times, the, the, what they call appliques would have been done out of plaster. Um, these days I can source very similar type moldings out of uh, silicon. So I'm still not sure if I'm going to go more traditional and try and get plaster ones or um, 
the, the advantage of silicon is that I can bend it around any curve that I, I happen to have. Mm. Whereas the plaster ones are all flat. And, you, and what they did was actually they'd stick them on and any gaps behind the plaster molding, they would then backfill with plaster. Mm. Um, you could always make your difficult. own um, like negative out of the, the silicon and then you can yeah. get the best of both worlds. Kind I of kind of thought that. Yeah, but, I thought I could buy the silicon as a mold and make my own plaster Paris um, pieces, which I think might be nice. It might give it more density. But um, mm. So, yeah, that's a whole lot of decisions that I haven't even started on. I'm still trying to work out actually how to make it. So mm. um, that will be fun. But you've started. I the, have started. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to give myself like 45 minutes to an hour at the end of every day just to like get something in the clamps and make up some templates or something. And, and hopefully that way I can just keep plugging away. And I think video-wise, I'm going to have to go, it's going to have to be a series. Otherwise, mm. it's just going to be like five hours of mm. stuff. So. And then final edit is just going to be a nightmare. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I probably won't even do a recap video. I'm just gonna. It'll probably end up being probably five or six videos. I think. Mm. But. Uh, there's an interesting question. Actually, while we're well, let's let's look at both of them while we're here because they <laughs> both relate to what you've been doing, Joey. Uh, the first one there was from Lee, um, in regards to raising the grain with the water-based finishes. Do you do that? Uh, not with water-based finishes, um, and I don't typically do it unless it's a really nice piece of furniture because, um, like, if I have veneers on it or if I have um, a particularly difficult section of timber, um, because I'm going to, it's like a flat panel, the grain's going to raise, I'm going to sand it back anyway. So it's, I'm killing two birds with one stone, I'm raising mm. the grain and getting a clear coat on. Um, there's no point pre-raising when I'm still going to sand it anyway. Yeah. Um, unless I'm doing like, like I say, on a veneer or a very tricky part, um, like on my desk, I'm pretty sure I will pre-raise the grain mostly. Mm. So, okay. Because there's going to be a lot of carvings and stuff on it, so I think it's going to be tricky to to do it otherwise. And then that other one there from Leroy, will the desk be in? the only thing in the room being so highly stylized will it clash with everything else in the house <laughs> yeah absolutely it will not fit the house i actually came up with this bright idea which i haven't run by anybody yet um that the office room i'm thinking i could i could turn the whole thing into a period room uh <laughs> and you like well, open the door and you've suddenly got a 16th century office and all the, the the orchestral music starts playing as the big doors swing yeah, open, yeah, yeah. and yeah, <laughs> like rip up rip up the carpet, put some uh, herringbone flooring down, yeah. like floor to ceiling bookcases, and uh, velvet wallpaper and that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I was I was so surprised when you talked about this last week about the design that you wanted to go because it seems like so much of the stuff, like your last that coffee table that you did, it's so modern, and <laughs> then to hark back to this completely other end granted obviously it's going to be technically challenging but it's just such a different style yeah well that's what i think that draws me to it most is the technicality it's so difficult and it's something that i've been drawn to ever since i really got serious about furniture making is that style and if you just put your mind to like an element of it say let's say the leg connection to the the apron connection just think about 
if have a, have a Google, have a look at how it's done or how it looks, and then think, how the hell would you actually do that? Mm. And then plus add moldings, plus add veneer, continue the grain. Like, there's so much going on in this one little corner of the desk. And that's mind-blowing, and I still don't know how to do it, and I'm, I'm just going to kind of bash my way through it and see what happens. <laughs> is is the, the, the order of things as important? Because I'd imagine at this stage, looking at it where you are now, you don't know the steps involved. So surely you'd need to know that? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking a lot about every step. Um, my, my process at this point is that I know I need some big, big lumps of wood for the legs, so I'm just going to make them. Mm. I've got the template for the legs. I'm not sure that I need... I don't think I can cut my legs out yet because I think I need to wait till I do the joinery while it's still square stock. So I'm, I'm almost at a standing point already, but yeah. <laughs> at least I know I can make some blocks of wood at this point. So, yeah. um, so it's going to be interesting. Mm. Cool. Anything else? Very cool. Oh, there is, but that's enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's, that's my go now. So, Jordan, we, we all saw some very interesting stuff on the Discord server last week. Oh, you right. wanna, what happened? Yeah, do you want to bring Wait, us up to speed? Where am I? What are we talking about? I'm so okay. lost. Uh, laser. Is yes. this what we're talking about? Yes. So, laser. So, right at the end, like a minute at the, to go with the last podcast, which nobody heard, you got an email... And I did. Things happen. So let's let's. Yeah. So uh, I put a video out, which is now removed, and I'll get into why in a in a moment. Um, about my dodgy dealings with my sh- uh, let's not say that word crappy supplier <laughs> um, from China of my new laser cutter, basically saying that I got scammed, and you know this is the interaction I had, this is what happened, and then I got blocked. And, you know, they've refused everything, so this is my last resort. And um, I basically put in that video screenshots of all of the emails, uh, but I didn't blank out their actual personal email addresses. I left them in the video. So I got flagged on that video as... um, can't remember what it was called. Do you guys remember what it was called? um, um, Privacy? Yeah, like a privacy complaint, basically, by the company. So I actually took that video down and then re-uploaded it with the email addresses uh, removed so that they couldn't remove it, uh, as in they didn't have a real need to remove it anyway. Um, However, it did get flagged again because the fact that I had them in the description of the video, which I didn't remove. (laughs) And I just said to myself that, you know what, I'm just going to let this kind of play out. And and when YouTube removes it, that's when the video gets taken down. But in that (laughs) time, they got something like 150 emails overnight (laughs) sent to them with very offensive language is what was said. Um, Uh, Just before we move off the the, the, uh, getting flagged point of view, I'm surprised that YouTube didn't flag the video just because of the nature of the video, that it was almost inciting, um, <laughs> you, you know, like um, I mean, encouraging people to send those emails. Like I would, I would assume that that's outside of their guidelines too. 
But they, in the guidelines, there's nothing against that, at least what I read, and that's right. not what it was flagged for. And at the end of the day, that, e- that video was about a dodgy business relation and more of a, like a, how do you say it, a public service announcement, so to speak, and saying yeah. that this company is not honourable, do not use them. Mm. This is my experience. So mm. I think to say that if someone's getting ripped off, but you can't put a video up on that. It's kind of a little bit wrong. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but that's not what it was flagged for. Well, no, it's, it, yeah, it was more, yeah, because those guidelines are so vague, I wondered if that email that you got at the end of last week was more to, about YouTube flagging it as opposed to, because we thought it was the company had flagged it. Was it was the company that flagged it. So it definitely was. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. That's um, interesting. Sorry, uh, I, just, I just remember... Uh, the uh, Samurai Carpenter did a video on this uh, sawmill kind of, I think it was a chainsaw sawmill trailer type deal that he had bought. Um, and then he was horrified with it. He did, he hated everything about it. Mm. He did this big vid- rant video about the company and how terrible they were. Um, and then the, and then there, nothing happened for a while, but the company actually made a response video back, which was really interesting. Um, and apparently mm. they had similar issues, but it was the other way around where Samurai wouldn't talk to them about his issues. He just went mm. straight to YouTube. So they went to YouTube as well. But it's interesting that, well, as far as I know, that video is still up. So um, okay. they so, didn't go down the flagging route. They just they just went straight back and did the same back to him about he was a, how he was a liar and all this kind of sort of stuff. So I mean, <laughs> if, if he didn't contact the supplier to try and resolve the issue, I think that is kind of poor form. Yeah, well, that's to, what I thought. They said that he had made no uh, um, no contact. Anyway, that's kind of getting off the topic, but I thought hmm. that has been done before. It's not like you've set a precedent. People do no. rant on about bad dealings, so... Yeah, and at the mm. end of the day, I mean, they weren't responding to me. They blocked me in every way, and this was one way that got them to talk. So, I mean, it worked. So, yeah, jeez, did it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, so continue. I interrupted. Uh, so where was I? So basically, the next day, I woke up to, like, six emails from that company. I had one from, the like, the CEO saying that this is really bad for our business. I admit fault. I admit that Mac did you wrong and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Um, and I said nothing to that email. And then I got one from Jenny, maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> but she was saying that, uh, uh, sorry, we can send you the tube. And I essentially said, look, I already have a tube. I bought it. I've spent another two grand. It's it's in the video. I don't, I don't want to downgrade now from my upgrade. So <laughs> yeah. forget it. Uh, and then I got another one from Mac saying, hello, are you there? I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. basically... I I think I did myself a disservice because I kind of spoke to them really early on and I listened to them. I told them that the, the issue isn't the fact that you sent me the wrong machine. It is your customer service. Mm. For all you know, I was more than happy to spend another $500 with your company to pay for the shipping if that's mm. what was needed because either way, I had to upgrade this machine. Mm. I'd rather do it through you guys, have the warranty, which is no longer even in existence. But you guys just refused to talk to me as soon as I told you that you were at fault. Mm. And it's like, oh, yes, very sorry, sir, very sorry, sir. No, you're not sorry. Just, you know, like, listen to me, what I'm saying. You, and they you, just wouldn't. You've been called out in a public space. That exactly. You're not sorry. You're, yeah. 
your, your savings savings tree because caught. it was bad for business. <laughs> and they, they said, this is very bad for business. So, this is bad for my business. <laughs> well, this isn't anything, but essentially we came to a resolve where uh, they've given me a partial discount, which I think I really should have pushed for a lot more considering how much more I had to spend, but mm. that's fine. Uh, sent me a few spare parts and in exchange, which they didn't know that it was going to get taken down by YouTube anyway, um, I would remove my video. But what I said in that deal is saying that I will send you random messages requesting a quote for this machine. And if that quote is not accurate, I'm going to put the video live again. Mm. <laughs> and, and that way I can kind of, hopefully anyway, assure that the company is going to stop these dodgy advertising um, deals yeah, and be honest about it. Because do you feel... Sorry. No, go on. Do you feel that it was the company as a whole, perhaps, or perhaps just Mac was trying to do what he could to earn a couple of extra bucks? I think it was very much Mac. I don't think he works there anymore. No. Um, I think he was actually punished, which I kind of feel bad about, but at the end of the day, he's a rip-off merchant, so stuff him. Yeah. Um, but I think it was him, but they also priced me in the Chinese New Year special, this machine, cheaper than what it usually is. And I paid for it, and it took them so long to build it, and I think they were just trying to cut corners wherever the hell they could, yeah. and this is what they did to, to kind of not lose money on a machine. Right. And I think that's more of what it was. I don't think it was they intentionally would no. do this if someone paid the full. I think it's usually like four thousand US dollars, and I paid three and a half thousand US or something. Mm. I don't think they would have done it in that case. But I, how how can I know? I mean, mm. what happened to me is what happened to me, and it was still a ripoff. So it was a bit bit harsh. But at the end of the day, I think I gave him a wake up. I got dialogue open with them again, and um, it was a fun video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, end result's good, essentially. I mean, you've, you've got what you wanted. Yeah. I mean, I think if I had of stood my ground a bit more, I probably could have basically had two, the $2,000 that I paid upgrading that machine compensated. Right. Instead of, you know, a couple of hundred bucks. But at the end of the day, it's still a really good price. Mm. Like, really good price. Still yeah, eight crap, and a half yeah. grand less than I could have got it in Australia for. That's crazy, yeah. So, you know, who cares? So, uh, the the uh, issues on the videos, the the two, um, what do you, because they're not copyright. Privacy, yeah. They were privacy complaints, I guess. They're yeah, complaints, privacy yeah. complaints. What's happened to those? Have those affected your channel at all? Or no, is there no... Um, so YouTube's actually pretty cool about it because they say if you remove this video within 48 hours, we won't investigate this complaint uh, and oh. it won't affect your ranks. After 48 hours, we will investigate this and if it's found to be uh, true that it is a privacy breach, then we will remove your video and you it, may it may oh. result in a strike. So okay. I think... They have a little bit of uh, lenience as far as, well, yeah. yeah, this guy has, you know, not 
done our guidelines, but it's only minor, so we'll let yeah. it off. Or this guy's totally mm. just basically set a hate crime and to send letters <laughs> into, you know, <laughs> synthesizers. And, and uh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm asking because, yeah, if I commit murder on YouTube, do they give me 48 hours to sort it out or does it... Well, immediate- that was this whole big thing a while ago, wasn't it? I mean, YouTube spent ages before they they took the video down. So, yeah. That's uh, just... And there's so too- no repercussion on your your standing as well which i find pretty interesting yeah. i mean but it wasn't like it was a I, I think it would affect it if it was something really bad like saying that you know racist remarks or something like that but it wasn't it wasn't saying that all chinese companies are bad it's saying this chinese company mm. is bad mm. this is why mm. here's the evidence this is like so yeah. i don't know I think if it was done in a different nature, probably could affect it a little bit stronger. Yeah, because if this is the process that everyone goes through whenever there's a breach, how on earth do you end up getting your channel taken down after three strikes? Like, you've got to be doing something really wrong to get there. And that's why they take them down, because those people just deserve it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Interesting. Are you making anything? Yeah. I am, well, yes and no. I, <laughs> I haven't made physical things, but I've made things happen. So, oh, yeah, you've um, got breadboards and yeah, stuff. The, the oh, yeah, the that, that's, I mean, that's actually an Ellen initiative. Um, so, <laughs> can, I just can, said, well, if you, you take charge that? of it. Uh, yeah, if you want me to go into it, what? and then I'll get onto what yeah, I'm Yeah, what is that all about? <laughs> uh, so, Ellen, so right now my business is in the gutter. Um, mm. I mean, it's somewhat self-inflicted, somewhat not. It's just it's just doing crappy jobs for crappy people or not doing quotes in a timely manner. Um, and I'm just trying to think of ways that maybe I can supplement some income until this laser's up and running so I can go full, stri- like full stream ahead. That's not the word I'm looking for. Full steam. Full steam ahead uh, with the actual business plan, which is on paper. And Ellen said, you should start an Etsy store. And my response to that was that there is so much crap on Etsy that you're <laughs> never going to get found. So, you know, if you want to help me do it, I'm happy to, like, humor the thought, but you've got to kind of be the powerhouse behind it because yeah. I've got too much going on as it is. Yeah. And uh, this is kind of what she came up with. So the, the whole thing is that it's got to be simple for me to make, which is basically pressing go on the laser. There's no gluing up, no resawing, no nothing. It's just laser stuff for now. Wow. And what is on the coasters, which is you're a C word, but I love you, organic a-hole, and uh, the definition of ass- uh, a-hole. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we can say asshole on this podcast. Okay, we can say asshole, good, <laughs> is the whole... Like, it's funny, it's lighthearted, but crappy. So it's crappy gifts to crappy people, um, and it's under the name Periodic Profanity because, you know, everyone is periodically profane. Mm. Uh, okay. But, yeah, the, the kind of thinking about the shitty sayings is that I can use keywords and phrases in the search that huh. get very wow, cool. little results. So if someone goes oh, on really? Etsy and looks for gifts for friends, there's going to be 350,000 results. Yeah. But if someone's favorite word is the C word and they search for a friend of C word uh, gifts, there's only like 150 results. Is there that up. many? I mean, there is a fair few See. up there, but, you know, we're kind of trying to be smart about maybe getting found on there. So far... 
there's not really been anything, but mm. you know, who cares? It hasn't really. It's cost me twelve dollars in cork, so if nothing sells, nothing <laughs> sells. There's uh, one of the the people who watch the uh, the podcast, Colin Black Byron. He's got a YouTube channel as well. He's recently got into selling knives, so he gets these knife blanks. I can't remember where he got them, get them, gets them from. It's either Japan or China. He puts the handles on them, and he says they are going out quicker than he can make them. Really? And I just, I can't believe that, kit, like kitchen knives, you would just, yeah. I would assume the same thing that you're saying, Jordan, like there's a million people doing it, but he reckons they are just going so quickly. I mean, he has this benefit of big numbers on social media. And when like the algorithm on those sorts of sites starts seeing that you're getting found, then it starts to bump you up. Mm. So like the initial views do definitely help with that. Um and also, I mean, it's a pretty generic thing, knife handle, so I would be in the same book thinking, no way in hell would that be a successful business plan. But mm. at the end of the day, if it works, then you can't really question it. Maybe he's done some amazing keyword optimizing so that when people search for random things, it pops up, and that's what triggers a really good idea. Mm. Um, yeah, because I, so I think he's opened an Etsy store as well. That's how he's doing it. Yeah, and I think, I mean... You have to be really smart with how you get found now because it's, mm. it's flooded. And if you're doing something that other people are doing, then you have to be really smart with how you get found on those networks. You have to use not generic search terms but very specific ones, ones mm. that people will look for but won't come up with many results. And that's the hardest thing of anything online. Yeah, so Lee Vella in the chat is just saying, I sell at least one piece of furniture every week on Etsy. It really is powerful if you SEO the hell out of it. Yeah, which is so, search yeah. engine optimized. So, and that and that's the thing. Like I'm I'm week one and I already, in fact, I have a piece of paper which is entitled Why We Effed Up on Etsy already. <laughs> and it's been two days. And that's because the keywords, and I, I kind of explained this to Ellen when she was doing it all, has to be really specific, not too broad, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And everything on there was like, gifts of friends. That's not <laughs> a good keyword. <laughs> so hopefully with a few changes, we'll be, uh, we'll be underway there. Yeah. Interested um, to see, that, interested to see how this goes. Um, I've sort of half looked into this, but I'm selling them from my website. I've never actually gone the Etsy route just because I've always assumed you know, it's not going to work. So yeah, I'm interested, interested to see how this plays out because if it goes well, I might think about doing it as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you have to be smart about it. I think that's the hard thing. Um, now onto like what I've been working on is my new business structure, which is DIY surfboard kits. Oh, um, yeah. I may have talked about that a few times, I'm not sure, but I've finally launched my website just so I can start indexing in Google and it will be kind of launched officially at the end of this month. Um, mm. But basically I've come up with my base designs, which is a nine foot six SUP, a mini mail, a couple of short boards, and everything else is kind of to be confirmed, but all of the research is done, the website is launched, and uh, I have had meetings with people about insurance, and I've got a really cool collaboration which might happen here in the workshop, which is also making bamboo bikes. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, so, like a cool Spanish guy that knows the engineer next door like kind of did his first and he wants to do a similar thing that i want to do uh which is bringing people in to build their own right um is that what the insurance is for 
No, I mean, insurance is just to get blanket cover for if someone comes in and they do something stupid. They so, don't sue me. Sorry, so they're going to be doing it in your workshop? Yeah. Ah, so I thought there was I just kits that they buy and take home. Uh, it's both. So initially, launching is just the kits that people can build, uh, DIYs, but the end game is to be charging out uh, packages. So say that you want to build your own SUP, $1,800, and that gets you everything, including my workshop, to come in. You have guidance from me, one-on-one -on -one tuition, and you can build everything start to finish and hit the water. Um, What's, and, and what kind of time frame? That's the really good thing, which I'm hoping is a good thing anyway, is that I've set up this thing which is flexible scheduling. So you can book in any time that works for you because I know people aren't going to get six days off straight. That's how long it takes, though. Generally. Right, okay. So you can come in for two hours after work. I'll be open till 9 o'clock, starting at 10 a.m., working till 9 p.m., uh, two hours after work, just book in a bench. I'll have four benches at any given time. You can come in for a full weekend. You can come in basically any time as long as I'm here. Um, and the cool thing about the kits is that there's not actually any machining to be done. Right. So mm. it's pretty safe at the end of the day. The worst thing is a bit of glue on your clothes. So, you know, in my cost, you'll get your safety gear, your coveralls, your um, your insurance to cover you if you cut your hand off. Blah, That's blah, cool. Blah. Just so, don't go near the jointer. It's super flexible. <laughs> and in doing so, like, it's, it's moving away from this service, which is really hard to excel in, and it's putting us into this product, which mm. is giving people this pretty niche thing but is just trending all to hell, which is this eco-movement. You know, there's no plastics. There's no like, terrible mm. stuff in the boards. It's a family activity SUPing opposed to surfboarding, which is you know, mostly men. It's not all men, but mostly men, and it has to be on the coast. Like this can be river, it can be dam, flat water, whatever. It's exercise as well, which is it's exercise, and happy. in this whole startup thing, it opens up a lot of opportunities on other things to expand into. So initially, like it'll be building boards, <laughs> and then it'll be weekend workshops to build your own paddle, and mm. then there'll be resin casting your own fins and R and Ding and blah blah blah. Corporate like there's events. a whole heap that I can go into. And my frame kits, if you just put one outside, people stop and pick it up and look at it. Awesome. And it just draws people in, and mm. that's something that. I haven't done with my furniture. I mean, people stop and look at it, but it's not that different. Whereas this is quite unique. So we'll see. Hopefully so, it takes off. Mm. Is it, so just, I have no idea what a stand-up board is gonna cost me if I go and buy one on the shop. Is it, what, what, what are we looking at, is it? So cheap boards are now available for like a thousand bucks. Right. Even for a cheap board? But really cheap. That's the cheapest, crappiest, okay. ugliest thing made out of plastic and EVA foam. Yeah. A really good high-end one, which is ultra lightweight, which obviously I can't compete with, would be about twenty-five to $3,000. Wow. Whereas my like workshops would be $1,800 less fiberglassing. Okay. Um, one thing that I won't do in the workshop is fiberglassing because, one, it's the biggest thing that keeps your board afloat yeah, like yeah. you know and, and together but also the occupational health and safety with those resins you really can't do it in a yeah. in a workshop environment with like public guests so is that just the fumes that come off it yeah the fumes and also the technique like if you mm. stuff up that first coat 
then you have to start from scratch. You can't just sand it all back and begin. You have to start your board again. Mm. So mm. I'm not going to, at least initially, I'm not going to do it. Um, I'll have a, a secondary. And, you know, 500 bucks will get a stand-up paddleboard glassed. So wow. they're, okay. they're paying maybe $2,300 all up, which is equivalent cost of a really nice board <laughs> for something they've made by hand, which is natural, it's you know, I, I'm looking into using bamboo instead of fiberglass because it's actually just as strong, but it's natural and eco-friendly resin. So it's like mm. this real eco footprint huh. thing. Well, that sounds cool, man. But yeah, that's that's launched. If you want to like check out what I've done, it's DIY surfboardkits.com. Uh, that's a good name. That's a yeah, really and, good and name. And I got a really good name for it. I mean, I probably should have put wooden in there, mm. but... One of these guys in the chat is probably going to go do it now. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? DIYsurfboardkits.com? Yeah. And you're shipping internationally? Ship internationally. Uh, so free shipping Australia, $15 to New Zealand, and be- between $50 and $80 everywhere else in the world. This meant. Uh, I'm you know sorry. What? Isn't this going to be like a gigantic like crate that you've got to send? No, no. It's a flat pack kit. It's It's... Yeah, you it's just you assemble it. It's basically like, um, you know the, the dinosaurs that you put together in National Geographic? <laughs> yeah, but that's... <laughs> uh, it's, like that. uh, it's still like, that's a big box. It's not... No, it's not. I've really? Got it down. Okay. I've got it down to one meter. Because you have to... Like, there's shipping limitations, so I have to design around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so your spines, which is the up and down ribs, mm. they're, they're broken down with dovetail joints, what jigsaw puzzle joints. So you glue it all together and reinforce it either side of the joint. There's no that's lateral awesome. load on it. It's just yeah. up and down, so that's yeah. plenty. Um, and then you do the same on your rails. And then you supply your own wood. So I, if you're in Australia, I give you a supplier, which is um, uh, okay. off Polonia right. or Western Red Cedar or plywood or balsa. Like, you can use anything you want. It's just there's a few guidelines. which. So that, chi- that kit, it was obviously much cheaper then because it's not... Um they're not not they're using your workshop they're not you're not buying the the timber yeah, strips so the kits are way cheaper because yeah. it's just the plywood yeah, um and a cool. full one-to-one paper template so you can do your deck and fin yeah, positions yeah. and all that but yeah they're, they're like for a short board it's 160 bucks for a full-size SUP, it's like 450 mm. yeah the bonus i've found the two or three times i've done any export is and you'll have the same is that our dollars are low compared to the US and Canada and, and Britain. Yeah. Um, and so while while you're making $1,000, they're only spending, say, seven fifty. Yeah, exactly. And so it just makes it that much better for them. Um, mm. So it really makes life pretty good. Yeah. And the other thing is that, like, I can, as an order comes in, I can pop down to my supplier and pick up the sheets. Like, I don't need to store yeah, sheets yeah. and sheets of stuff. It's, it's pretty good for that. Huh, but that's, that's what's awesome. been taking all of my time, and that's why I haven't made... Right. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. That sounds weeks. like a lot of uh, It's been a lot work. of work. Yeah. Been a lot of work. All right, Robin, come on. Let's get on to you. <laughs> so speaking of taking up a lot of time, we're almost at the end of the show. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's all right. Um, yeah, so this week, not too much for me. Um, put out the knife video, which, yeah. was, which was pretty cool. I've never seen that process of taking mm-hmm. a, a blank, um, a, a steel blank and turning it into a knife. It's crazy, like the, 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 the level of knowledge that this buddy of mine has, like, you know, you've got to get it to this temperature for this long and this, mm. for this, you know, it's just, there's so much that goes into it. 
I can totally see why this is just knife making is just a hobby in and of itself. So uh, the video came out, it was pretty cool. Um, it hasn't done as well as I'd hoped because okay. I, I kind of thought being a knife build, this is just mm. straight to the top. It hasn't, <laughs> hasn't done as well as it, I thought it would, but you know, it's, it's been about a month since I actually put a video out. That's so true. I, yeah, I can't, that really, help. can't really complain. The other two things that I've got going on, I've got some bed heads, some old oak bed heads oh, yeah. that my in-laws have asked me to turn into a coffee table. And it's this split level, it's called a split level coffee table. We talked about mm. it probably a couple yeah. months back. Yeah. I, I don't like the design. I, I, think, <laughs> I think it's terrible. I think it's impractical and I just don't think it looks nice at all. But this is a really cool practice for me where a, a client comes to me and says, I want you to build this monstrosity, off you go. And yeah, that's, you, that's I, good. I guess you yeah, just got to suck it up because you guys must have those from time yep. to time. Every single day. <laughs> yeah, fairly often you end up making things that you're just like, ah, this is not so cool. <laughs> but it's paying you some money, so. Yeah, and the, the worst part as well, it's not only that it's something that I don't particularly like, but because it's something odd i don't know how to do it and that's why i wanted to ask you guys okay um uh, some some advice on this which i'll get to in a second but there's that and then the other thing was the i'm making a, a wooden sheath for that kitchen knife that i did last in in the last video so the problem is well i said the problem i wanted a very big kitchen knife and it is a very big kitchen knife but now where do you put a very big kitchen knife <laughs> like it doesn't actually fit in my cutlery drawer you put it in it's a very big cutlery drawer <laughs> it's too big and i also don't just want to throw it into the drawer because it's a bit of a like a, a special thing so i'm making i want to make this like it's a like a wooden block like a you know, wooden knife block but you put the whole thing into the drawer so it kind of protects the blade as you put it in. Mm -hmm. So I've started working on that. Huh. Um, the inside of it's made of cedar, so my shop smells beautiful, beautiful. Nice. right now. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much me. So going back to that coffee table, I need to put a leg straight up into a, 20, a 19 mil thick coffee table. Mm -hmm. Can you do that without using any rails? Yes. Do you reckon? And you, you reckon it's going to be strong enough? If you lift the table, so if you consider the, the legs coming up into that, that flat yeah. table piece and you lift up the table piece, is it not just going to pull it straight up? Um, I've done it before, twice. Um, and it, I've just did a, essentially on the end of the leg, cut a dovetail. Um, so when you're looking down on the end of the leg, it forms the dovetail shape. But now the, the leg is going up sort of in the center yeah, of the... straight through the top, right? And you're, but not... No, I don't want it to go through the top. Ah, uh, okay. Well, that... Well, yeah, well, that's that. You need as much... You, you're going to have to because you've only got 19 mil to play with. You just don't and have enough timber there. So, so there's there's no conceivable way that the reason I ask is because I'm you know I can go back to um, the in-laws and say this this isn't going to work. I've got to I don't know yeah put a wedge through it or something like that from the top, you know come through and put a wedge down. But I was just wondering if there's a way that you guys can you know I just thought maybe if I use epoxy because then you're really grabbing the end grain as well. 
like you're just not don't have enough meat i would say the minimum for that kind of thing would be like 35 mil mm. Mm. that's what i did on that big walnut sofa um a while ago i had um right yeah you could look at tricky i mean it's a little bit hard to to envision but you could also look at can you like build up underneath it so put a ring around it so instead of it being 19 mil in that section you could make a decorative 30 mil thick section um does that make sense Say so you're, again? Of, you're, you're building up stock just around that leg yeah i was just thinking that yeah and then it's kind of like a collet that you yeah. can clamp around that leg instead of having it go through the top you're, you're supporting it underneath is that something so, the design would allow yeah so essentially like a tapered leg say from 40 by 40 at the bottom up to like 60 by 60 at the top giving you a lot more seating area and you could have a, a large stubby tenon or well, I, th I think what Jordan's saying, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, and I say this because I did this on my on the cot build. If you if you take a, a block and you turn it on its side, so you've got long grain join underneath, and then you bring the the leg up through that into the underneath of the table. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah, sort of. So you're, you're building up. It doesn't necessarily need to be long grain. You're just kind of building up mm. something around it yeah. to add extra support. I so mean, it could, could just be a thicker leg at the top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Because are you... Is it square or round or...? It was going to be 42 by 32. So rectangular. Mm. Yeah, because you could probably just build like a little frame around that if it allows in the design to give mm. you all the extra support you need and then you don't have to be mm. then it doesn't have to punch all the way through but you don't want yeah, to make it, a feature of punching through yeah well that's it it's not <laughs> to say that i can't come through because yeah. you're right that would look quite nice you you know um i haven't actually worked out how i would bring it through and make it work like would you would you use a, a, a wedge through it what's like well the good thing with like i was saying before the good thing with a dovetail is that it produces its own uh, racking support, mm -hmm. um, whereas a square tenon is more liable to want to move kind of diagonally, I, I guess. Um, and then at the bottom of that dovetail, you have a little shoulder, just like a regular tenon. Mm. Um, and if you bought that through, I mean, that, that thing, if it's a tight fit, it's not gonna wobble any which way. Um, Sorry, I think I'm confused. How do you get the dovetail through? Is this on the edge of the piece or center? The dovetail. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah middle so works. You'd kind of just do a shoulder onto a tenon and push it through, and then it sits on that shoulder, and then you can wedge it. Mm. Yeah, so my, my thinking, I'm not sure if, if I can explain it exactly, but instead of having a rectangle tenon, that rectangle becomes a dovetail shape, like an extruded dovetail all the way from the shoulder up through the top. Yeah, but I'm just, I can't work out how you're going to get that opening flare of the dovetail. No, if you it doesn't, nothing is, uh, yeah, I'll have to maybe send you a picture of it. Um, yeah. Because uh, it's, it's actually very simple. There's no, the only thing that is on an angle that needs cutting is the actual tenon. The, the mortise is still square sided. Oh, okay. Yeah, then I am so lost. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. All right. Yeah, maybe if you send me a picture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, that's the main thing. I was just trying to work out whether 
I hadn't really thought of a, some way of doing this. Right. Um, or if, yeah, as I say, if I need to go through the top. But yeah, I, I'm, I'll put it to them. I'm sure they'll be fine with it. And I think I'll probably go that route. Just right. tell yeah. them that it's what they get. That's what <laughs> I do with all my clients. No, what, I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll just say that it's not like that on the invoice and then give it to them. And then when they argue, I'll just say, no, 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 just that's them. the way just it is. Lock <laughs> just lock them. Just lock them, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, uh, right. Well, that's, I mean, to be fair, that's pretty much the show. There was um, a question yep. before. Very quickly. I forget who asked it now. Hmm. Uh, Maybe it was Nick. Um, has anyone got any Ascent machinery? Oh, yeah, I saw that. What is... I, I didn't, I didn't my know first tools were Ascent. They are very, like, low-end, high-end weekend worker, very low-end commercial um, tools. Um, my jointer is okay at best. Um, when, it, when everything is lined up, works good. I haven't been able to get the tables on my jointer flat for about a year, and so I just know that it's not going to give me a true flat, straight surface. Um, mm. But it's fine for short things. Um, the ascent table saws I really probably would stick away from. I had one, and everything on it was just just a tad too cheap. The adjustments just didn't quite work, and now if everything started to just bend, um, there was a t the bearings started to go pretty quickly. And while it worked, like if it was, if you're using it for a Saturday, that'd be fine. Using it all day, every day, not so good. Mm. Um, I think Ascent is the same as major woodworking equipment over here. Right. I could be wrong on that, but yeah, it, it sounds just like the same. Criticism I'll give major as well though. Um, yeah, so cool. that's that's my two cents. Speaking of uh, things being flat, a couple of weeks ago I mentioned to you guys that I couldn't work out why I couldn't get my jointer to get rid of the. Um, it was what's the word? Not con con convex. Convex, right? So I went through all these forums. I found this really interesting just image that describes it how. If your infeed table is down, you end up with convex. If you, I, I think that was the way, or the other way around. Anyway, I sat with my jointer, fiddling with all these things, trying all these things, just couldn't get it to stay. What it was, the, is it, is it the, no, the, there's like a little slide. It's, it's one of those uh, dovetail, uh, the tables on a dovetail, and there's like a little slip, sliver of metal that runs through it. Um, do you guys know what I'm talking about? The gib. The gib, yeah, that's it, right? The gib had half fallen out. So every time oh, I was yeah. tightening it no, down, it was just twisting the whole tape. But I didn't know that that was what that was there for. Yeah, you should so check it. Um, because if it hasn't got detents in it, you can go through it with a little drill bit mm. and you can put a detent and then it won't fall out again. Just in one of them, don't do it in all of them. Right, okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, didn't, I saw this thing falling out and I didn't, didn't even think about it. It turned out that that was it. So I just pushed it back up, tightened everything up, and it was basically back to acceptable. Yeah. That's really important for uh, tolerances. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, very simple, very simple fix. Okay, all right. Well, let's, let's leave the show there for tonight. Um, yeah. I see that the Strange chat has issues. gone again. So 
we'll have another look into it. As I said at the beginning of the show, the show is mostly just to have a look at this and see if we can work out this plan B, which we'll find out later tonight if that's been successful. Yeah. That's a morning um, pill, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to everyone in the, the chat, yeah, really sorry. It looks like it's just bombed out in the last five or 10 minutes. Um, I blame Joey I, for changing it to Tuesday. Yeah, it seems like it's my fault. <laughs> I will go upstairs now and see if anyone's been watching Stan or something. Because that could be it, but yeah, who, who knows? This is yeah. just going to be a very tricky one. All right, everyone. Well, thanks very much for joining in. Um, hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, Joey Jordan, anything you guys want to add before we head off? Uh, nope. Uh, no, we might have a slightly, maybe, possibly a better podcast next week. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll do our best. And if not, we'll keep trying. All right, everyone. Well, thanks very much. And we'll see you again same time next Tuesday. See you. Bye. Bye.